we're going to continue on with our series on Matthew 18 and the theology of Jesus's forgiveness or Jesus's theology of forgiveness. And we are in uh, verse 21 and um, we're going to look at two verses, two verses this morning. And y'all don't even know how much restraint that is for me because I don't ever really preach much more than about, much less than about five or six verses. So two verses is all I'm going to do this morning. But uh, that's what we're going to look at, verses 21 and 22. And um, what has happened up to this point, just to remind you, is Jesus has been teaching. He's been telling people that you have to be a little one with faith in him to be in the kingdom of God to begin with. And once you're one of his little ones, which he wants all to come to repentance, but anyone that comes as one of his little ones, he is vigorously protecting them. And then he goes on to say that uh, in so many words, if you go away and you stray, he's coming after you. He's going to get you back into the fold. He's going to get you to repent. But he also says um, in verses 15 through 20 that we sin against each other. We hurt each other. And he gives us a process and some information about how we need to deal with that. But still, the whole goal, the whole objective of all of that is to get those people to come to repentance. So he's dealing with forgiveness and how to handle that and the goal being for repentance. But now we take a break from Jesus teaching these things. And one of the disciples, Peter, comes to Jesus and he's got a question. He says, in so many words, you'll, we'll read it here in just a minute. But in so many words, he says, I hear what you're saying, Jesus, but I got a question. I've got a question. I want you to pay attention to what he says here in Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. And I'm going to read Jesus' response in verse 22. Scripture says, Then came Peter to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Now, now again, make sure you understand what, Je what Jesus has been teaching up to this point is that you need to go after your brother. You need to get him back. You need to get him to repent. You need to help him out. You need to forgive him. And Peter's saying, now how many times do I need to do that? Seven times, that sound about right? That's what, that's what he says. Verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. We'll talk about what he means by that phrase 70 times 7 in just a moment. But just know that Jesus said 7 ain't enough. It's a little bit more than that. I want to ask you to pray with me and then we're going to look at the scripture together. Father, I pray that you will help me to preach your word true. But give me both the words but also the spirit and the emotion that's necessary to convey this truth. It's a big truth, Lord. You've done so much for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Forgiveness is an awful lovely idea, isn't it? Especially when you've wronged somebody. It sure is nice when they forgive you, isn't it? It's a real, isn't it, isn't it lovely? Isn't it a lovely idea? I sure like to be forgiven. I can tell you, last night, me and Vanessa were arguing about something. It's a Saturday night in the Tilly household, and I needed forgiveness, and she forgave me. And I felt so good about myself. Because I was forgiven. Don't you like to be forgiven? Amen. Amen. I like to be forgiven. Amen. It's a lovely idea, but, but let's think about forgiveness, really, in a very serious way. If you're truly going to be forgiven or give forgiveness to somebody, on, on what basis are you doing that? 
It, it can't be just, oh, it wasn't a thing, no problem. That's not forgiveness. That was it wasn't a problem. If it wasn't a problem, you don't need forgiveness, you understand? You only need forgiveness when I actually hurt you, when I do something against you. And you can't just say, oh, it ain't a problem. That ain't a, that's not forgiveness. That's just acknowledging it wasn't a problem. So what am I forgiving? What am I basing it on? Clearly, grace is needed, right? Some, something that's unmerited. Whenever you hurt me, you don't, you don't deserve my forgiveness. So I need to give you something that you don't deserve. But let's be honest, how much? I ain't got so much grace to give. And, and I also know, even if you say, well, it's only a little bit of grace, that's still not cheap. That's, that's, that's going to cost. How much am I expected to pay to forgive you or vice versa that you're expected to pay to forgive me? How, how much am I supposed to do? And I think that's what, that is the, I think the spirit of what Peter's getting at here in this passage. You see, the, the rabbis had taught, the, the Jewish teachers of that day had taught this concept that we would call today three strikes and you're out. It's largely based on a passage in Amos, believe it or not. Amos chapter two, or rather chapter one and two. There's a few verses, it's kind of a repeated pattern that says something to the effect of that God saw the sins of these different nations and he forgave them three times, but the fourth time, no, he wasn't going to forgive. You go back to Amos chapter one and two, you'll, you'll see this repeated pattern. And they were saying that God was forgiving for sins three times, but not the fourth time. So it's kind of a three strikes you're out concept. That's what they were teaching. The, the Jewish, Jewish rabbis would have taught. That's what Peter would have learned. That's what would have been conventional wisdom of his day. Three times you're forgiven. The fourth time we're done. Now, what does Peter say? Look at what he says here. How often shall I forgive? Shall my sin, brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times. Now, what's Peter done? He took three times and he says, well, I'm here in Jesus. Jesus is trying to help me be forgiving. So maybe I need to double it and add one. So I, mean, I just need to put a whole lot more on the table. Here, Peter thinks he's being generous and says, I'm not going to just forgive three times, which is the law, which is what I'm being taught. I'm going to forgive seven times. That's what he's thinking. But the fact is, he puts a limit on it. He says seven times. Now, I want you to think about this. Human, human, human forgiveness is always going to be limited. And if your forgiveness is not limited, you human beings that I'm talking to, if you're supernatural beings out there, I'm not talking to y'all, human beings, I'm talking to you, your forgiveness is limited. If it's not limited, I'm rather it is limited because you've got some pride. And I'm not mean in the ugly kind of pride. I'm just talking about you're, you've got some dignity about yourself. You're, only, you're not a doormat. You're not going to take it but so many times, right? Y'all are a whole lot more carnal than, than, than you're letting on right now. You know, I'm, you know I'm right. That there's only so much you're going to put up with. I'm the kind of person. Let me just tell you who that kind of person I am. I'm a real sweet fellow. I'm a real nice guy. I am real nice, real nice. But I'm the kind of person that you just like the, it's got that thermostat. It's like goes up. Like, oh, it's, it's, everything's fine. Goes up, everything's fine. Oh, it's okay. And then all of a sudden, boom, that one more straw that breaks the camel's back, and then I act a fool because I'm so angry and so mad. You know, that's how I am. Just so y'all know how to push my buttons. Yeah, just, yeah, you know that now. Yeah. All right, got to push them a lot. And then, then I'm there. But then I blow up, you understand? The point is, we all have our limits, right? We have that limit where it's too much. We have our pride. We have dignity. We have anger. We have limited patience. I can forgive you. Then you know, 
You might be able to forgive two or three times. You might be able to forgive 10 or 12 times. You might be able to forgive 100 times. But the point is, at some point, we're going to say, that's enough. You have crossed the line, buddy. What is wrong with you? Stop that. That's how we are. Aren't we? There's, there's many of us that will say, three strikes and you're out. There's the more generous might say, like Peter, maybe I'll give you seven chances. But the point is that it stops at some point. But look at Jesus' response in verse 22. He says, until, I don't say until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Now, there's people that will debate, is Jesus actually, because they talk about translations and the original Greek and all this other stuff, is it 70 times seven or is it 77? I don't care how you want to translate that. Jesus has not given us a number. It's not 490 times, if you do the math, which, by the way, I did before I got here. I didn't just do that in my head. If it's not 490 times, it's not 77 times. You can pick a number at random. It's not that many times. Jesus is using a figure of speech to suggest there is no limit. He is not saying that when you get to 491 times to forgive, you're done. That's not what he's saying. He is instead saying there is no limit. It is a continuous forgiveness. <laughs> this is what Christ's self-sacrificing love looks like. I mean, just to make sure you know, I'm not just making this up. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In fact, in verse 4, it says charity. That's the way the King James uses that word, charity. It is representing the self-sacrificing love of Christ. Charity, it says, suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Charity is not puffed up. In other words, all the things that our human condition says, I'm only going to take this much. You go across that line and I'm done. Christ's love says, you can never cross that line. My love is continuously infinite, no matter what. It Amen. will suffer long. It puts up with stuff. That's why Jesus, in verse 12, in fact, go there with me, because I only read two verses. Y'all got the patience for at least one more. Go to verse 12. He says in chapter 18, he says, that. They, what do you think about this man who's got a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray? Doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? He's using that as an illustration of what he's willing to do. He's saying, I'm willing to go after one and leave ninety-nine. And he's willing to do that as many times as is necessary. Go down to verse, uh, verse uh, 13. And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. He is willing to pursue that one lost lamb as many times as it takes. And every time he goes, he is seeking their repentance to bring them back. He is never going to let them go. And he's never going to say, well, I done told him 490 times. Which, by the way, let's be honest, he's probably told some of y'all at least 489 times of some things that y'all should have been on board with. And you ain't listened yet. You know what he's going to do? He's going to ask you 490 times. He's going to go 491 times, 500 times. He will do it a million times if that's what is necessary because that's the way that Christ's love works. This kind of love and the forgiveness that it produces is only possible from the love of God. 
This love that I'm describing is not love that any of y'all have. The best mama in this room, she might put up with their youngins 489 times. But let me tell you, there's a point where she's going to stop. The sweetest man in this room might say, I forgive you 470 times. But there's a point where it's just going to say, you know what, I'm done with this. That's the way we are. It is only God's love that is that continual forgiveness. That's why in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 it says that it's the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. We actually have to have God's love literally injected into us. It's not natural to us. We need the Holy Spirit to come in and give us this love. This love that he's talking about to be able to forgive an unlimited amount of time to continuously go back to somebody who is constantly failing you and disappointing you and upsetting you and saying, I forgive, I forgive, but please repent. I forgive, but please go and do the right thing. I forgive, but you need to get back in, 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 in touch with the Lord. You need to do the right thing. To do that continuously is going to be a divine act. It got, it's got to be the love of God. Apart from his love, my forgiveness at best, the best I can do is forgive you because I'm supposed to. I'm going to look stupid if I don't. You're supposed to be a Christian, aren't you? Y'all ain't never forgiven anybody like that, have you? I have. I'm supposed to forgive them because I'm a Christian, so I'm going to do it. But it ain't because there's any love in me. That love is only going to come God himself, we have to be, that, that forgiveness has got to be based on not just love in the broadest sense, but the love of Christ Amen. in the most specific sense. Amen. Now, Peter, let's be honest about it, he is being gracious seven times, right? Remember, the law says three times, he says seven times, so he's being gracious. But, and even the law, let's, I think you could also be uh, fair and say that the law in some ways is being gracious because as I said I don't think if you're on the wrong side of forgiveness and you want forgiveness we always say well please forgive me I, I, you, you should forgive me if we're honest about it nobody should forgive us when we when we cross somebody when I'm talking about cross, when I'm talking about crossing somebody I'm talking about that you have done damage to them you've hurt them you have done something egregious against them you've sinned against them there is nowhere that it says that you must be forgiven it is required for you to get like you are owed forgiveness that's not true it's grace that you're forgiven. And even the law, when it says forgive three times before you let somebody go, it says even then, that's grace. That's three times more than you deserve. And Peter, when he comes along, says, I'll do seven times. That's six, seven more times than you deserve. Some of us will say, what's the least I can do and still be good and forgive? And others will say, well, what's the most I can do and show love? But what Jesus is doing when he says, no, not three times, not seven times, but unlimited, continuous, he is being lavish with his grace. Jesus can and he does forgive us continuously. And he's always pursuing us and his goodness is always bringing us back. Romans 2, 4 says it's the goodness of God that leadeth us to, to repentance his goal is always to bring us to repentance. But he's always going to give you more than you can imagine. I don't know if I can convey this idea very well. 
When you sin against another person, you've hurt them in some way, you've harmed them in some way, there's no way to repair that. At the end of the day, that person, if they forgive you, you know what they have to do? They have to say, I'm going to absorb that pain in myself. I, you can't get rid of it. Some of y'all have been hurt by some people, haven't you? Somebody's done something against you, and it's really hurt you. And if you've truly forgiven them, does it ever go away? Let's be honest. No, it doesn't. It doesn't go away. You have to absorb that in you. And even if you're forgiving three times, that's amazing. That's lavish. That's gracious right there. If you're forgiving seven times, or if you want to take Jesus' words and, and, and parse them and say, well, you said 70 times seven, so I'm going to forgive 490 times. That's a lot of forgiving. But what Jesus does is he goes and he goes and lavishly forgives. His grace is, grace is lavish. It is something, it is unimaginable. That kind of lavish forgiveness is only possible if you understand what lavish forgiveness even means. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus is with a Pharisee. He's talking to this man and invited him over to his house. And there's this woman that comes in, and she makes a big deal over Jesus. And, of course, it embarrasses the, he, she washes Jesus' feet and embarrasses the Pharisees. And basically, let's get this woman out of here. What's she doing? And then Jesus basically interrupts the man. and says, no, no, hang on. This is a good thing that she's doing. And he interrupts and gives a parable of a creditor who has two debtors. This man has two people that owe him money. And one of the people owes him an amount that's 500. The other owes him an amount that's 200. But that creditor forgives both of them. And Jesus asked the question, which one does loves the creditor more? The guy who got 500 forgiven or the guy who got 200 forgiven? Which one? Who's going to love more? And the answer is the one who got more forgiven. That's the right answer. Jesus said, that's right. And he goes on to say, talking about this woman who's washing his feet, he says, this woman has had much sin forgiven. And so she loves me more than somebody who's had just a little bit of sin forgiven. You follow on that? Okay. Now, now, the reason I bring that up is because some of us think we're owed forgiveness. <laughs> that means you ain't never really been forgiven because you don't understand that what the price that has been paid in order for you to be forgiven even one time. Some of you think you're being generous when you forgive 5, 6, 12, 15 times. And on one level, from a human perspective, you are. But it also tells me that you have never truly been forgiven because you would understand that God has lavished his grace on you to even be able to call you a son of God, a child of God. He has lavished his grace on you. So until we get to the place where we can actually understand and remember that we have what we have because God's grace is so abundant and more than we could ever ask or think. Until we get to that place, we will never, ever, ever really be able to forgive like Christ gave because Christ's forgiveness is lavish. It's not legalistic. He's not just doing what's required. By the way, if we did what was required, you know what would all of us would happen to all of us? We wouldn't even be seated here. We would be in hell right now. But because of his lavish grace, even while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He loved us that much that he commended, he showcased his love for us. Even while we were sinners, he says, I want you to know I love you. Even when we're rejecting him, 
That's the kind of grace he has. And how much more now that we are his, does he continue to love us? He continues. And some of y'all are knuckleheads. Some of you are hard-headed. Some of us are knuckleheads and hard-headed. And we do the same thing over and over and over. And you know what God doesn't do? Get out of here. You ain't one of mine. I didn't raise you like that. No, that's not what he does. You know what he does? He pursues you and draws you back. Amen. He sends Amen. the church after oh. you. He sends a friend to call you. He, he convicts you by a scripture verse that you hear on the radio. He, he talks to you. He speaks to you. Constantly drawing you back. He doesn't let you go. He never does. That's the kind of lavish love that he has. Now, true forgiveness also will come not at any cheap price. It's going to come at the very price of life itself. My instinct when I've been hurt, and some of y'all are like this too, and I imagine more of you. I'd like to think more of you than just a couple, but nonetheless, I know this is my instinct. I've truly been hurt by somebody. They've sinned against me in a way, especially if I can biblically prove you've sinned in this way. I want revenge. I don't want forgiveness for them. I want to hurt them. I want them to feel what I felt. Again, y'all act like you don't do that, and that's fine. I'll just confess my sins that way. It's why in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 10, that first murder that happens, there's Cain and Abel, and Abel's blood is spilled on the ground, and it says it crieth out. The reason his blood cried out, because it wanted revenge. His blood said, somebody has to die because this boy died. That's a human reaction. That is a natural reaction. And even when we are gracious in our minds, we forgive. We want it to stop at some point. That's why when, when, when we go, as, as he says in Matthew 18, 12, we leave the 99 and we go pursue the one. We're glad to do it that first, second, third, fourth, fifth time. But at some point, we don't want to do it anymore. We're like... You fool, you went out there and got out in the woods. You get back, you find your way back. I brought you back 12 times. I ain't going to do it anymore. That, that's our, again, y'all can say yes or whatever, but I know that's how I think. At some point, I'm just like, I'm done. That's why he's, in verse 16, he talks about going to this man and he says, he won't hear you. I, I don't mind going to you if you're going to listen to me, but I go to you and you're acting like I'm the idiot. Go ahead, you go on. You go on and do what you're doing. And then I bring in some witnesses in verse 16, or rather verse 17, bring some witnesses in, and he won't hear them either. And then I bring the whole church involved, and they won't hear them. You go on. You just go on with yourself. I'm done with you. That, that's human mentality. That's how we think about this. Because it hurts. I hope I'm just telling y'all something you already feel. It hurts to be so invested in somebody and then them to reject you or to go against what you've said. Anybody? At least one or two of y'all feel that. I'm just telling you, that hurts me. I don't like that. So because of that, my price is I'll put up with a little bit of pain. But I ain't going but so far. But Jesus forgives when it costs everything. He gave up his own life 
so that we could be forgiven. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In verse 10, he says, this is Romans chapter 8, verse 5, and then verse 10, he said, chapter 5, verse 8, excuse me, in verse 10, he says, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Jesus literally died to reconcile us. And instead of revenge, you know what Jesus' blood cries out for? In fact, the writer of Hebrews puts it this way. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and of the blood of the sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. When Jesus' blood poured down from the cross, it wasn't screaming out, revenge, revenge, revenge. It was crying out, speaking of something better. It was speaking of reconciliation. It was speaking of peace. It was speaking of calling men to repentance. It was speaking of a new path to God that was made through the veil that is his flesh. It was opening up new way, a new way to God that was never available before. It was available now because of his blood that was shed. And that kind of self-sacrificing forgiveness is only possible if you've experienced Jesus Christ. Amen. Bless you. I'm just telling you, the human reaction is, I've had enough. I've owed something now because you hurt me so bad. But when you have experienced what Jesus has done for us, we can then say, as Paul says in Colossians 3.13, we can forbear with one another, we can forgive one another, and if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. In um, a book called A Gentle Answer, a writer named Scott Sauls wrote that book, and he gives this story of forgiveness. I'm just going to read this to you. I hope that's okay to read a little passage to you, but I want you to hear this. It gets at the spirit of what I'm trying to, to teach to you. After the defeat of Hitler's Nazi regime in World War II, Holocaust survivor and Christian Corey Tinboom returned to Germany to declare the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. One evening after her message, she was approached by a man who identified himself as a former Nazi guard from the concentration camp at Ravensbrück where she had been held and where her sister Betsy had died. When Corey saw the man's face, she recognized him as one of the most cruel and vindictive guards at the camp. He reached out his hand to her and said to her, that's a fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Will you forgive me? And this is what Corey Tinboom writes about that specific encounter. Here's what she says. This is her words. I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again been forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for asking? 
It could have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition. That we forgive those who have injured us. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is the act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. Then as she reached out her hand to the former guard, Corey says that something incredible took place. And so she continues relaying her story. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. I'd never known love so intensely as I did then. But even then, I realized it was not my love. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll only ever be able to forgive, like I believe the Bible tells us to, the way that we saw it with Corey Ten Boom's interaction. If you've, first of all, been forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. His forgiveness was motivated by unconditional love for you. His forgiveness is so lavish that there is no sin that you can commit that's ever beyond it. And his life-giving forgiveness came at the very price of his own life and his own blood. And you'll only ever be able to forgive like that if you've accepted his forgiveness and then you say, well, Matthew, I'm saved. I'm a Christian, but I'm still having trouble with it. Then you also need to be reminded of the forgiveness. Remind, that's, what, that's why I preach a message like this, is to bring back to your mind what God has done for you so that you will be able to, not in your own power, but just as Corey is standing, Corey Ten Boom is standing there and recognizing that this man who was, by all accounts, evil and vile and vicious and murderous in his intent, as well as in his actions, she could not in her human mind and heart forgive. The only way that that forgiveness can come to you, Christian, is because you remember what Jesus has done for you. That, his, that nothing will ever separate you from his love. That, that he lavishes forgiveness on you no matter what you've done and continue to do. That he has brought, bought you at the price of his own blood. And I want to invite you as I close this morning to come and to seek his forgiveness for yourself. And if you're like me and you're struggling, continue to struggle with forgiveness for someone, you're just going to have to ask the Lord to help you do that. With his love, with his forgiveness. And I want to invite you to come and bring it to the Savior. Give his power to do that.